All right, we're jumping into a brand new series. If you missed the last series, man, I would uh, hope that you would get on our YouTube page and, uh, and catch up with that series as we kind of start out 2023. Uh, and, uh, but this is a, a, a series that I've been looking forward to uh, for a while. And, uh, and here's the thing, and here, here's why. Uh, I want to teach you how to have maximum joy and happiness in this life. And, uh, and, and I do want to say hi to all of those of you in, in COZAD that are joining in uh, with us. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, and, and those of you in-house and those of you watching online, I would imagine you're kind of like, sweet. He's gonna, he wants to teach us how to have joy and happiness in this life. Now, there's some problems uh, between, you know, this statement and actually getting there. There, there There's... There's, a, there's some problems that we're going to run into, so I just want to let you know a few of the problems, because what I'm going to teach you doesn't come natural. In, in other words, you're, you're not nat. Those of, those of you who are, who are doing this already, this was taught to you, and I would imagine there was a time, especially if you were taught this as an adult for the first time, you didn't grow up this way, uh, and as an adult, you, you're kind of like, <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine you probably stiff-armed it for a while, and, uh, and then as you were kind of growing in your relationship with Jesus and, and, and thinking, oh, man, that's a place, you know, that, that, that is true, it's like, and, and you wrestled with whether you were going to surrender this, uh, this area of your, of your life to them, and then you're kind of like, man, this is, this is actually a big, big area. And when you finally said, okay, that's it, I'm just surrendering it, you found yourself with more joy and more happiness than you have ever had in this life. But somebody had to teach you how to do it. It doesn't come naturally. What I'm going to teach you doesn't jive with our culture. And here's something that I find when, when we talk about this. Um, you know, the, the majority of people that would call themselves uh, Christians, Jesus followers, um, they are jiving with the culture when it comes to this area of their life. And so uh, whenever we talk about it, they're just kind of like, hmm, there, there's something kind of like, and you just need to know, um, even though our, our culture values the thought of this, that our culture values the, the, the idea of this, actually applying it is like, mm, no, I think that's, for somebody else. And here's the thing, you probably already think you are this, but you may not actually be. And here's the thing, I don't want to teach you how to do something as much as I want to teach you how to be something. I don't want to just teach you how to do something. I think you already know how to do some of the some of this, but I want to teach you how to be this. That this is just a part of who you are and the way you live life. So, are you ready? Know what it is? Cozad, you you ready? Here we go. You're going to love it. I want to teach you how to live a financially generous life. I I didn't hear any amens after that. That was I was like, "Oh, great." Of all the mornings I chose to come to church, uh, I have to talk about this. This is so interesting to me. Um, those of you that when, when, when you read this and your first instinct 
your first instinct was to kind of shut down and check out. So before you check, you know, shut down and check out, um, and you know, those of you online, before you just like, you know, eh, I'm gonna another day. Um, here's here's what I am gonna promise you. When we get to the end of this, I don't want something from you. And here and 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 that's what that's why you're checking out. And I get it, right? Because you're kind of like, well, Eric, that's kind of self-serving, right? You're, you're going to teach us how to give so that you, you know, the church can get more. That's, the, you know, and it's kind of self-serving. So if that's your thought, um, I totally get it. I, I totally get that. So here's my promise to you. I'm going to, I got a couple promises for you. Um, if, if that's kind of the way you, you go, um, my promise to you is at the end of this, there is no gotcha. There is no hook. There is no capital campaign. There is no, hey, you know, now give to the crossing. In fact, if we get to the end of this and you're kind of like, you know, Eric, I still don't trust you and I still think you're, you know, there's something you, you're you wanting, you know, me to do for, for the church. Um, at the end of this, if you feel compelled to give, but you're still skeptical about, you know, our my motive, give it somewhere else. Okay? Don't even give it, don't even give it here. So that should remove, I would hope, any idea that I have any selfishness uh, in me about this at all, because um, I really don't want anything from you as much as I want something for you. The happiest people that I know personally in this life are people who have oriented their life around being financially generous. And here's my other promise to you. My other promise is when you become generous, you will give more. I think that's pretty obvious. You will save more. That's the surprising thing. You will actually save more, and you will waste less money. And here's Jesus' promise to you. This is amazing to to me. Jesus' promise is when you live a financially generous life, you will actually be happier. You will actually live a happier life. It's so interesting. Um, there's not a lot of red letters in the uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts is the history of how the church started, and uh, and and if you have a Bible that has you know what Jesus said in red letters, there's not a lot in the book of Acts because he had already ascended to heaven, and and uh, and so um, you know first couple of chapters you're, you're going to see a little bit, but uh, but there's there's one little section that Paul quotes from Jesus, and it's so interesting. You have all heard this. In fact, I would imagine maybe you have all said this, but you may not necessarily have fully believed it, but there's kind of a remnant of our culture that kind of, you know, uh, values it, and so we, you know, we, we say it. We just may not necessarily embrace it. So uh, this is where it's at in Acts Chapter 20, verse 35, Paul says, I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. In other words, he's like, he's leaving Ephesus. He's talking to these guys in Ephesus that he's become super close with, and he's telling them that I'm never going to see you again, not on this side of heaven. And so they're just, they're, they're struggling, they're, they're crying, they're saying goodbye to their friend they know for the last time on this side of heaven. And Paul is giving them some last instructions and, and it says to them, look, 
I have shown you how to live a generous life. And, uh, and, and, and so I want you to follow my example. You should remember, he says, the words of the Lord Jesus. And then he's going to quote Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You're like, well, I'll be. I didn't know Jesus said that. In fact, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. I just thought that was just something that people said in our culture. And, and we kind of value this. In fact, um, you, you, know, you may have said that and you come across someone who gave something and you're kind of like, man, that was so nice of you to give. And, and you're thinking, yeah, boy, it's, you know, it's better to give than to receive. But I mean, but if we're honest, I mean, come on. <laughs> it's blessed to give, but it's blessed to receive too, right? I mean, in fact, I mean, if we're honest, kind of like, it might be as equally blessed to receive as it is to give. In fact, it might be more blessed to receive than to give. But Jesus is like, hey, trust me, if you orient your life around being financially generous, you will live a happier life. You will live a happier life. It will be more of a blessing to you. You will be happier. So if we, if we like embrace this idea at least, even though it's kind of like, you know, I love the idea of generosity and I hope that someone else is because you either think that you can't or you're just like, mm, it's not my thing. Um, then if we value it, why, why aren't we more generous? And one of the main reasons I think that we're not maybe more generous is we believe that all there is to this life is this life. So I, I brought my eternity rope out here again. And, uh, and so this represents your life. It's just a blip. It's just a dot. And, and this is the rest of eternity. It's just going to go on and on and on and on and on. And, but we think financially, we think all there is to this life is this life. And so whatever I make, it's mine. I earned it. It's my money. I'm going to spend it on me in this life. And, and, and I'm going to, if you think in terms of kingdoms, I'm, it's like, this is my kingdom. I'm going to build my kingdom with my money here on this. Now, I want to go to heaven when, I mean, I want to go to heaven when I die. I mean, I, 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 want, I want that, but leave me alone. I want to go to heaven when I die, but, but Eric, you start talking about money. I just am going to shut down and go the other way. Because I don't want to hear it. I, I, I don't, I, 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 because really I believe that all there is to this life is this life. And the more money I can have in this life, the more comfortable I can be. See, <clears throat> the other reason is we think that we own our money. We think it's ours. And since it's ours, it's there for us to build our kingdoms with. All there is to this life is this life, and it's my money, so I'm going to do with it whatever I want for me, which is 
part of the reason why we don't end up being very happy, because whenever we make our lives about us instead of others, we end up living a very selfish life, which ends up being not a very happy life. So here's what's interesting, and, uh, and, and, and here's where Jesus is going to want to take us, and, uh, and, and, the, and the Bible writers want to continue to, to, to just say, look, you need to be able to change your perspective about your money, because this is what Jesus is going to say. The chief competitor for your heart between him and this world is your money. The chief competitor, the chief thing that is going to want to pull you away from kingdom living is your finances. So Jesus invites us into this new relationship, into this new kingdom, into this new nation. And he says, look, I want you to give up the kingdoms of this world and embrace the kingdom of God. And a part of the kingdom of God, I want you to live out Jesus' values in this new kingdom. And we talk about those values week in and week out here in the crossing. And, and, and so, but one of the values is the value of generosity financially. And that's one that's kind of like, of, of all of the others, I mean, Eric, you could talk about anger and how to deal with that. You could talk about jealousy, how to deal with that. You can talk about love all day long. You can talk about Jesus' values all the time. We love it, love it, love it, love it. You start talking about money, leave me alone. I want to hear it. Leave the, no, I don't, that one, mm -mm. why is that? So if that's you, if that's kind of where you, where you go, you need to ask yourself the question, why? Why is it that that's the one thing that just makes me on the inside go, hmm, what is it? Because when we begin to surrender and we think, you know, Jesus, I'm surrendering my entire life to you. That includes my finances. They're yours. In fact, what was I thinking? They have never been mine to begin with. They've always been yours. And you just simply have placed them into my hands to manage for you. So what is it that you want me to do with the resources that you have placed in my hands? And, and I want to be able to build your kingdom here on earth the best that I can with the finances you have put in my hands hands. So we're going to jump into what Jesus taught about money, and Jesus knew that the chief competitor for our hearts would be our finances, and I'm not even going to go to stuff, even though you could, you could make this all about material stuff. I'm going to talk specifically in this series about our finances. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, and if you have your paper Bibles, you can open up there uh, if you have it on your phone, I would encourage you to, to maybe go to Version. If you haven't downloaded Version Bible app on your phone, you should do that. Uh, it's, it's awesome. Don't store up treasures. This is Jesus. Don't store up treasures. Matthew records it for us. Don't store up treasures here on earth. Specifically, financially, where moths eat, moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. 
In other words, don't orient your entire financial world about making all of your storing up as much finances that you can in this life just for you. It's like if you do that, you're going to miss something. You're going to miss something really, really big. Well, Jesus, if I'm not going to store it here, where am I going to store it? Store your treasures in heaven. <laughs> okay. I mean, the last time I checked, there, there's, there's no, I have not been able to fill out a, uh, you know, a deposit slip and send it to heaven. I, I just, I've never, I mean, we, we maybe haven't gotten that far in our technology yet. I mean, how do I, what are you talking about? Store your treasures in heaven. Here's the thing. People that have, you know, surrendered their finances to Jesus and they have oriented their life around being financially generous, they have come to understand this, that they understand that whatever they hold on to in this life, they will not take it with them when they die, right? There's no hearse pulling a U-Haul behind them, right? I mean, we, we can't take anything with us. And the biblical writers just say this over and over and over again. You are not going to take anything with you when you die. But if you understand generosity and you are willing to give it away before you die, you can send it on ahead. But here's the rub. But that would mean I would have to trust that Jesus is right and trust that I'm going to give it, trusting that, you know what, it's going to be a deposit into heaven. Soar your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy it. It's better than FDIC, right? And thieves do not break in and still it can't diminish. It can't be taken away. It's not dependent on the market. You know, it's not just a half a point of interest. It's store your treasures in heaven. And then he's going to start drilling down on us pretty hard. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And that's why he says, I'm going to go directly to the thing that is the chief competitor for your hearts and your relationship with me, and it is your money. Jesus knew it, and that's why he went directly to it. And wherever you put your money, wherever you think, it's like, okay, Lord, where do you want the first big step? If you're like, okay, I'm listening, but the first big step is realizing it's not yours to begin with. You are just simply managing it for your Lord and your Savior, Jesus. So the first thing of asking him, okay, where do you want me to put your money? Everybody needs to eat and live indoors, okay? But I'm just telling you, wherever you begin to invest God's money in kingdom-oriented things, your heart will begin to follow those things. Let me give you an example. My roommate in college, Ryan, he works, he's lived over in Thailand now for over 10 years, and he's working with these high mountain uh, people that um, are basically stateless. They've been pushed out of Burma because of all of the, the wars and the, and, and, and the stuff that's happened up in that country, and, and Thailand doesn't want to have anything to do with them, so they're just like living 
remotely up in these mountains. And, uh, and so uh, Ryan and Rebecca have been working with these people, actually growing coffee, and they just shipped their first shipment of coffee beans to the United States. So cool. In fact, there might be, come a time through Deborah's legacy, who roasts coffee, that we will actually have the coffee roasted or the coffee growing in the mountains of Thailand, roasted at Deborah's legacy and for sale for you at the crossing at the Life Center. So here's, this, this is amazing. But here's the thing. I care about them. Why do I care about them? Why do they have some of my heart? Because I am financially invested in what they're doing. I have supported them the entire time that they have been there. Part of the treasure that God has placed in my hand, I have given to them. And wherever I have given to them, I, they have part of my heart. I care about it. So God owns everything. I'm his money manager. And whenever I think like an owner, like it's mine, I own it, it's a red flag because my heart will always go where I put God's money. In fact, I love what Randy Elkhorn uh, says. Uh, He says, when the lightning of God's grace strikes us, in other words, when, when we understand just a tidbit, a tidbit of God's grace in our life, the thunder of our giving should follow. It's just, it's just a natural response. It's just, there's something, in, I can't help but give because I'm so overwhelmed by the grace of God in my life. See, when we're not givers, it means we're not being permeated by his grace. It's just not, it's not permeating uh, us the way that it should. We're not being permeated by his grace and the joy that's inseparable from it. And then Jesus goes and he says something that just seems a little bit off. And so I want to jump in and hopefully be able to dissect this for us. In, uh, in verse 22 of chapter 6 of Matthew, he says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Okay, Jesus, I thought we were talking about money. What? What? So let me see if I can accurately dissect this. Your eye is a lamp that provides light. Your money is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When you correctly orient your finances, it begins to really orient everything else in your life. And and it brings light. People that that live this way, I'm just telling you, one of the reasons they are so happy is they understand they have not been mastered by money. They have mastered it. And and they see it for what it is. It has brought light to them. When your money, when the way that you, you know, you deal with your finances is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. And I, I see it. And in, in fact, I don't worry near as much as when, you know what, I have all of these finances and I feel like it's mine 
And the more that I have, the more I worry about it. And what does worry do to our bodies? (laughs) Unhealthy things. But when your eye is unhealthy, when the way that you view and deal with your finances is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. It just, there's just, there's angst and there's worry and there's depression and there's anxiety that just is tied in with all of this financial stuff. And then he dives in deep. For those that are kind of like, you know what, Eric, thank you so much. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't want to hear it. I, I, I don't care what you say. The church just wants my money. And, and as much as you want to say it's not mine, it's mine. Okay? And so I've earned it. It's my money. I, I, have li- I see it for what it is. And so you're not going to touch me with any. I have light. And, and, and I see it the way it is. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Well, you don't want to hear it. I, you talk about Jesus values all you want. I, money? Mm-mm, it's mine. I don't want to hear it. See, and then Jesus, he just, he just keeps poking and he keeps driving. He says, no one can serve two masters. And nearly this is the issue. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You and I cannot serve God and be enslaved to money at the same time. It's impossible. And Jesus just says, that's why it is the chief competitor for your heart, for mine. And so it's almost like Jesus is like reading his audience, and the audience is just kind of like, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. So if you have any yeah, buts, you should read the rest of Matthew chapter 6 and what comes right after this, okay? I don't have time to jump into it today, but I hope that you'll, you'll read it. If you have some yabbits, Jesus addresses the yabbits. And then he just kind of sums it up in verse 33 and says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to seek the kingdom of God above all else, including your finances. And there it is. There it is. I want you to embrace the kingdom of God and put it above just going after becoming richer and richer. So if I was going to define generosity, here's how I would define it. The premeditated, in other words, I've, I've thought about it, calculated, I, I'm calculating where the wisest place to invest it is, designated, I know where it's going to go, Emancipation, I love this because I'm going to set it free. So either, you know, money is going to be your master or the only way, the only way to make money not your master is to emancipate it, to set it free. So they premeditated, calculated, designated emancipation of personal financial assets. So there's a lot of generosity myths, and I want to head them off at the pass. Um, here's some that I have, I have heard. Generosity myth number one, rich people can be generous, and if I ever get rich, then I can be generous. In fact, you may have heard that. You're like, Eric, I love the idea of being generous. I do, I do. And if I... 
In fact, you may have said, if I ever win the lottery, then I'll, then I'll be able to be generous. Right? Here's what we may not understand. Rich people are rich, and generous people are generous, and there is no natural correlation between the two. Zero. In fact, the richer you are, the, the, the more resources you have, the more tendency for you to not be generous. Oh, you might make some big checks, but in terms of the generosity that we're going to talk about, not so much. So if you're in the room, if you're in COZAD, if you're watching online, you're in your 20s, you're in your late teens, 20s, early 30s. If you're just waiting around, waiting, if you're like, I want to be generous someday, and, and so when I, when I get to this level of income, then I'll be generous. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because there is no correlation between the amount of money that you make and you being generous. There's no correlation between the two. If you wake up someday and actually find yourself that you would think is rich, you will just be a rich person that's not generous. If you're not generous right now, you will not be generous then. And thinking about in terms of rich, um, all of us really uh, are really pretty rich. In fact, if you don't think that you are, um, I would encourage you to do something that I did last night, and I was like, whew, well, that's eye-opening. Um, you can actually Google and, and, uh, and then find out um, where you are in terms of your income based on the rest of the world. Did you know you could do that? Uh, I did this last night. And so if you don't think you're rich, I would encourage you to plug in um, to that, you know, calculator uh, what, what you and your wife make and, uh, and then base that off of the rest of the world. You, you might go away, okay, I'm way richer than I thought. So we don't feel rich, but we are. We feel generous, but many times we're not. Another generosity myth Generosity is spontaneous. It's like random acts of giving. We, it, it, this, is why, this is why, you know, you can't really use the argument, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like arguing with your, with your spouse, and, and your spouse is trying to tell you, you're like, you know, here's my problem. You don't do anything. You don't ever do anything around the house, to which your spouse is like, well, wait a second. I emptied the dishwasher in 2014, so you can never say that I don't ever do anything, right? I mean, this is, what we, this is why we push back on generosity, because we remember the one time that we had one random act of giving, right? And it was probably Girl Scout cookies, which you ate. So you even consumed your generosity, right? So generosity is not spontaneous. I mean, random, I am all for random acts of giving, all the, all the better. Absolutely, you go for it. You know what? I love spontaneous giving. I am not against that, but that's not the generosity that we're talking about, that we're going to unfold in this series. Generosity is determined by cash flow. In other words, well, I could be generous on the front end of the month, just not the back end of the month. 
See, the, the type of generosity that we're going to talk about, and, and, and I'm going to teach you how to actually be generous, because it's not natural, and if someone doesn't teach you, you're not going to know how. So I'm going to teach you how through this series. Um, it, it, it isn't tied to cash flow. It isn't, well, I can be generous on the front end, but not on the back end. It really doesn't have anything to do with that. And here's the one that kind of drives me crazy. It's the amount that counts. No, it's not. Um, <clears throat> the only person that knows whether you are actually generous or not is you and maybe your spouse and maybe your accountant. The only way that you can know whether someone is generous or not is to know everything about their finances, which we don't know, and so there's no way for us to know. See, there's someone in the community that we think has a lot of resources and they write a big check and we think they're generous. Maybe. I have no idea. See, there's someone, there's someone that might make 30000 a year and they have embraced a lifestyle of generosity and, and they percentage give off of that and they've premeditated where they're going to, they've calculated where they're going to go with that and they have, they emancipated on a regular basis. They set it free on a regular basis. And then there's someone who makes $100,000 and they write a check for two grand and that's the only check all year long they get and everyone's like, whoo, boy, they're generous. No, they weren't. That person that makes 30000 a year, way more generous. See, it has nothing to do with the amount. It has nothing to do with your level of income. It has nothing to do with that. Those are all generosity myths. So, crossing, when you free your money, you will actually free yourself from your money. And I'm just telling you, I, I, I was having breakfast with some guys uh, this last week, and we were talking about an individual that I have never met and who has been dead for quite a few years now, and they were telling stories about the lifestyle that he actually had and the generosity after generosity after generosity after generosity. And he made it an incredible impact. And here we were, and I thought, isn't it so interesting? Here we are talking about a guy that's been dead and gone, and he has left a legacy. In fact, he's made a deep, deep impression on the other guys who were telling me about him, who knew him personally, who their lives have been changed through his life of financial generosity. He was free. He was happy. When you free your money, you free yourself from your money. And it's desire to be your master. So, even if you're kind of like, I don't know if I want to go through this series, I hope that you will go through this series. Just grit your teeth and go through the series with me. And, and here's the thing. When we're done, we're going to do a series on heaven. Okay, you're kind of like, oh, that sounds a lot better. Okay, so would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, love you. Ooh, this one, this one, we just, not, we don't like it. It's not popular. But Lord, 
It is true. It is the chief competitor for our hearts. It wants our heart, and it's competing for our heart. And Lord Jesus, so many times we allow it to be our master instead of you. So I just pray that wherever this lands on folks here this morning, if, they're, if they have angst towards it, just pray that they would have the courage to ask why and to do some self-awareness of what is it. What is it that's causing the angst? And God, I pray that you would give them the courage to take some steps of faith that maybe they've never taken before. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.